Welcome to Genius Leadership Overcoming Everything podcast. I'm your host, Anna Liebel, a mind shifter, helping male leaders in tech get out of the firefighter mode, become the proactive leaders they want to be, and enjoy the ride as they go. Join me every week for honest, insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders about their rollercoaster ride to leading from their zone of genius. If you find the show valuable, could you do me a favor? Rate and review the podcast. Share it with your network so that more of us can live a healthier and happier life. And for now, let's take the ride together. Hey, Genius Leader, welcome to another episode of this show. Today, I want to start by thanking you from the bottom of my heart. I know how valuable your time is and how busy you are with your life and your career in in particular. So I never take it for granted that you choose to spend one hour or less, depending on the speed of your listening, with me and my guests. It really is an honor for me. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you. And also a small announcement here. Tomorrow is the first birthday of the Genius Leadership Podcast. So 13th of January to 2021, we have released the first two episodes of the show. So if you have been with us this long, then congratulations to you and extra thank you to you as well. And happy birthday to you as a listener. And you have, if you have joined us later on in this journey, I hope that you You're finding time to catch up with all the episodes that you have missed before and just really learning from from the amazing guests I'm having on the show. So yet again, thank you so much for taking your time to listen to the show and thank you for providing any kind of feedback that uh, we're getting with my team. So today we're taking the first guest in our From Burning Out to Reigniting theme. And the conversation today will be called Firefighters and Burnouts. And the reason for this theme or topic is that our guest, Don Reby, is literally working with the firefighters. So you know that I talk about helping leaders in business and get out of the firefighter mode. And Don is helping the literal firefighters and other people who are serving us and our safety to get out of that firefighter mode in their life in general and really be the leaders of their lives and leaders of their teams in a proactive way and a healthy, sustainable way. So Dawn is based in the US and we all see that this theme is quite international. And she is the founder and and the CEO of Excellence Analytics. And as you call herself, she's a CEO of your life coach. Her mission is to ignite your desire for excellence in your professional and personal life and to empower your pursuit of that excellence. Don inspires service-based professionals to accomplish their mission at work with precision and ease and finally live the life of happiness, fulfillment, and joy. With over 22 years of experience and expertise in building certified proactive strategies, Don knows what it takes to create excellence in a service career. And she also knows what it is like to overcome adrenal fatigue and a suffering home life. As she personally rose above a life of mask wearing and perfectionism. Don deeply believes that we can have it all. And is determined to show others how life can be lived in a way that you absolutely love. In this conversation, we talked about learning to desensitize yourself 
at work and how that affects our whole selves. So in in the jobs that her clients are in, it's quite important to really take your senses out of the equation. When you go in a literally burning house or when you are going to a school where there is a potential terrorist, of course, you need to be clear-minded and to not have your feelings take over the situation and your behavior. And we're talking about how that affects the lives of her clients in general. And we talk about how that translates into business behaviors nowadays. So take that with you. Think about where you might be desensitizing yourself and where it serves you and where maybe you need to adjust your behavior that way. We also talk about how spinning the wheels make it easy to get into the self-imposed loneliness when we believe that no one gets us and no one wants to support us. And Dawn is uh, sharing very openly about her journey with that, how she went through that self-imposed loneliness and what got her out of that. Uh, Spoiler alert, conversations in several situations in her life. But also how she took the courage to actually listen to those conversations and curiosity to understand what people meant and how she took the action to actually get out of that loneliness feeling. And we also talk about optimizing our lives, even when it's unfair, our life is unfair towards us. And again, Dawn gives a personal experience and example of her going through a painful divorce, trying to get out of the unhealthy relationship. And their divorce went to Supreme Court, which is quite high level or the highest level in the US. And she's talking about that situation on that period of life when she felt like life really sucked. But she understood that she couldn't do anything about that at that moment. She tried her best. It didn't work out as she expected. But she still was in control of how to do it, like how to, what to do out of that and what to make out of the situation that she was in. So she's talking about how you can take your power back and really live your life in the most optimal and most sustainable way for you, no matter what the external circumstances look like. Enjoy the conversation and I'll see you on the other side. Dear Genius Leaders, welcome to the episode of with amazing Dawn Reavy, the CEO and founder of Excellence in Analytics. I am so pumped to finally have you as my guest, Dawn. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here, Anna. We have such a great, short, but great history. And so I'm so glad we can support each other in this way. Yeah, we connected through a professional network for female experts. And uh, even though that was uh, just three, four months that I, we have been there together, we have created that connection. And uh, I really feel like we, we, have, we share values and passion for helping the leaders be better versions of themselves. And uh, it's just amazing to follow each other's journey. And we will talk about your journey a bit today. I'm very excited to share some news from this autumn with you uh, of your business. Uh, but before we get into that and the topic of the burnout and the firefighters, uh, literally and uh, not, uh, let's talk about the common theme of the podcast. Uh, when you hear words sustainable business performance, anything that comes to your mind? When I hear the words sustainable business performance, yes. I really think about you know the key things that business owners and leaders must be thinking about on a regular basis to create 
excellence, right, in their career environment, but also really excellence in their home environment and creating their best selves. Because when we create our best selves, the longevity of what we're doing is extended and our joy in delivering is extended. And, um, and so, so I think about those words. I think about joy. I think about longevity. I think about um, work-life harmony. I think mm-hmm. about performance excellence of really being your best self, bringing that best holistic self to the table. Mm. And I love that you already talked, uh, like used your, one of your favorite words. It seems like excellence. Mm-hmm. And I let's just uh, start unwrapping that. When I hear excellence, and I think a lot of uh, about a lot of high performers that I know, for them it's about the perfection. It's about drive, going forward, 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 forward. Mm-hmm. But you have a very different connotation to that. It's a lot about leading yourself putting yourself first, right? You you have some specific suggestions on how to work with your calendars that that happens. How come? Where does that different meaning of excellence come from? Yeah, well, I I will say, you know, I'm from the law enforcement environment and public service environment. And so there's this notion of really working very, very hard. I mean, I, I went to private schools. It was all about achievement. It was all about working hard and achieving you know, the, the things that you set out to achieve, having goals and rocking them out and setting up new goals and rocking Mm -hmm. them out. Right. And so I really do believe that we can achieve at high levels when we are organized, when we are persistent and consistent in our efforts and therein lies that career excellence. And so part of the difference really is that it doesn't stop there. It doesn't Mm -hmm. stop at career excellence. Really, this idea of full excellence is holistic. It is, do I live a life that I am so excited and happy to live? And am I finding joy in my life? Before, my thoughts used to be, you know, work hard now and enjoy later. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother used to always say, Don, slow down and enjoy now. And my thought process in that public environment was really, no, 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 no. You got to work hard, work hard, work hard, reserve, 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 and the joy will come. And what I've discovered in this new version of excellence is there has to be this connection between this performance excellence, this, you know, achieving and goal excellence relative to career in combination with this leadership of self, in combination with this life that you absolutely love to live. And you definitely can have both. And so that's really the new excellence in in my perspective, this new excellence of work-life integration in a way that fuels you and fuels this goal side of you, but also fuels this nurtured, this joyous, this excited, this longevity side of you as well. How did that transformation happen for you? What triggered re-evaluation of the word excellence and the whole meaning of it that it's not only, it doesn't stop but at career, but also is integral for all parts of your life? So I I suppose for me, um, you know, being in the law enforcement environment as a civilian, as a woman, there's this mask in general that I wore, this perfection mask. And so, and I know that in multiple industries in corporate and fire and EMS and, you know, um, lawyers there as a woman, you know, and as a professional, there's this often like struggle with, I have to be perfect on the outside because then and the inside, I'll be perfect. And it's really quite the opposite, right? So for me, um, you know, I really struggled with hiding things that 
were, in my mind, considered not excellence, right? Um, in my mind, were considered vulnerability. And I found myself in situations where I essentially was working all the time and really didn't have the faith in myself and in others to turn to when um, when I did have challenges and I had to figure out everything on my own, this independent mentality. Having a daughter when I was 18 years old and you know, climbing the ranks the way that I did, to me, I just couldn't have any any level of imperfection because that would just wipe out all of the good, right? And so doing that for many, many years uh, and, and really limiting myself in, in my relationship building because of that really put me in a position where that's what I was defined as. I was defined as the woman who succeeded and not as the woman who I wanted to be right? That was only a small piece of me. <laughs> and so being able to you know, be a, a, a woman who could make mistakes and grow from them was something that was foreign to me. I mean, you know, that was just not a way of thinking. You, you, you did the thing until the thing was done. And so it really led to um, some hiding of some personal issues that, was go- that were really going on in my own life things that I was hiding from my friends and my family and my work family because I didn't want to be anything more or anything less rather than excellent, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I suffered from adrenal fatigue at one point where I just got so exhausted that my physical body said, Dawn, this is, you're not, this is not how life is going to be for you. Like <laughs> you're done. Like we're, we're, we're putting the cap on. You're done. You're done. You're done. <laughs> I was tired all the time. I would literally pass out at night as my form of self-care and relaxation. I mean, how silly is that? And a friend of mine one day, she's like, Don, what do you like to do? And I said, oh, well, I'm really good at work. And you know, I do this analytics and I teach. And she's like, that's not what I said. She said, I asked you, what do you like to do? And I said, well, I'm a mom and I bring my kids to sports. And she's like, stop. (laughs) What does Dawn like to do? And I really didn't know. I really didn't know. I mean, I loved myself. I just didn't know myself. Mm -hmm. And so it really sparked this anger in me that why couldn't I achieve that? Why couldn't I know this about myself? Why was I a workaholic? Why was I hiding all these other things in my life from people who could potentially nurture and, and be part of my life in a different way? And so, um, so I dug, I dug, I dug, and I dug, and I dug, and um, you know, and discovered parts of me that were hidden behind the mask, parts of me that were ready to blossom and come out, but there were fears in getting them out there, and. Um, yeah, so that was kind of how, what some of the some of the key things that really transitioned it for me. You know, uh, the mask piece in law enforcement is extremely regular. Like a lot mm-hmm. of people hide their personal lives, and for me, I was hiding a life of misery at home. I was in a horrible relationship, and I couldn't tell anyone about it because I was I was already excelling. I had what they called excellence in my life, and. You know, I felt very alone. I felt like I couldn't talk to friends who were right there in front of me, willing to listen. But in my own mind, I had fears around letting them see the true dawn. And so so I struggled with that for quite some time until I was able to get out. So I guess I suppose those two, the physical piece and the emotional piece, those two big pieces for me were my turning points about 10 years ago. And I, you know, became curious. I became curious about this life of of joy and how could I 
enjoy excellence in a different part of my life and not feel lazy and not feel like fruity and tooty, you know, like that, like, <laughs> like how could I still be a hard worker and achieve excellence in my home life too? And then the exploration began. And here I am now, 10 years later, 11 years later. <laughs> let's uh, let's uh, unwrap a couple of things. I want to summarize or emphasize a couple of things that you have said, and then we'll go on, go on to those most recent 11 years because there, there has been an amazing transformation. And Don, I got to know this year, earlier this year, is an amazing and very cheerful, high energy, and one of the kindest people I've met in a long time. So for that to to blossom a lot of work has to had to happen but if we go back to that previous dawn the excelling yeah. career dawn yeah. uh, what i want to emphasize one you said about that friend and a conversation with a friend mm-hmm. it takes courage to bring up that conversation and stay in that conversation as a friend when you see someone suffering so mm-hmm. if you are on that side of observing someone in your circle who you see is not living up to their best potential and limiting themselves, take the courage to do that. Mm-hmm. Give space and really explore that and then be the person mirroring your friend mm-hmm. saying, hey, what does Dawn, Dawn like to do? Yeah. What brings her joy? And mm-hmm. say and asking that question like a parrot, asking it a couple of times mm-hmm. sometimes until the person gets what the question is about and actually answers that question instead of answering some other questions. Mm-hmm. I have that practice in my, or like that experience with my friends, with my uh, clients as well, quite often, that we need to hold that space mm-hmm. and stay in there, even though it's uncomfortable and we see the person can get angry, upset yeah. with you, um, maybe start crying without being able to say anything, whatever. Mm-hmm. That yes, is the yes. thing that you can do as a friend and one of the biggest things that we can give in friendships. The second thing what right. you said was about feeling lonely, even though you had all those friends about around yourself, but having mm-hmm. this mask and having the need or feeling the need of keeping that mask mm-hmm. really made you feel like you're the only one failing, quote unquote. Yeah. And this is so common. And this is something I try to emphasize as often as possible. Whenever you go through difficult times, never stay alone with that. Mm, because I can guarantee you, I bet you on all the money I have and all my investments in in pension funds and whatnot, (laughs) that whatever you go through, there is another person in the world who has gone through or is going through that right now. Yeah. And your goal is to find that person. Your goal is to find someone who can support you through the way. Yeah. And, and, you know, these are great points. And for me, uh, you know, like a lot of times people will see successful people, high performance people really exceeding and excelling. And those are the folks who I like to ask that question to, you know, what brings you joy? Because Mm -hmm. you may not see, they may, I looked like I was on top of the world. I looked Mm -hmm. Like I was so successful and I was to some degree, I was selling houses, my own, you know, like I looked like I was on top of the world, but, and I hid things very well. Mm-hmm. And I think high performers do that because they don't want anything to stand in between them and their success. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the question, the, the comment that you made to ask these people in your life, those, that question, what brings you joy is so critical. Even if you think they're already joyous, because Sometimes they are the ones. It was me. I was the one hiding that because people came to me for advice. People Mm -hmm. came to me for the ear. And I really didn't have or didn't feel like I had people to go to, even though there were plenty of people around me. 
And mm-hmm. so I encourage folks to really take a look at the people in your life who seem like they've got it all together, who seem like they're high performers, who seem like they run successful businesses, who seem like they are on top of the world and ask them truly what brings you joy mm-hmm. and see how they respond. Because the reality is when you're at a certain level, people aren't asking you those questions. When you're mm-hmm. at a certain level, people are looking for, for something from you, right? Mm-hmm. What can, what, how can you help me, Don? How can you help me, Anna, right? And so when you're at a certain space, people are looking for you for the thing. But I encourage folks to really take a moment and think about how you can provide service to that high achiever because they might be suffering too. Mm-hmm. All right. Such a good point. Whenever we climb the ladder or the success hierarchy in, in our society, people start assuming that we have it all together. Otherwise, we wouldn't have succeeded. But mm-hmm. the truth is, we don't have it all together, right? Yeah. It's more that we have succeeded despite those things. That's correct. And yeah. just as you said, it's it's such a beautiful suggestion, Dawn, to yeah. go with that question to people higher than you in the hierarchy or people who have come further in their success journey, whichever area of life we're talking about, and asking that question. At the very least, you'll learn the, mm-hmm. one of the possible recipes for success to be able to reflect what resonates with uh, with you from that recipe. And at the very best, you actually create space for that person that yeah. has been longing for and has been yeah. not giving that space. And they may not answer you, but you've planted the seed. They may not yes. answer you, but maybe they look in the mirror and they're answering themselves. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I've sat with part of my, my company is serving law enforcement professionals and, and uh, public safety professionals. And so I've sat with a chief, multiple chiefs, and they have so many things going on, political environments. I mean, there's a, there's a big world of politics right now in, in policing, right? You know, defunding and are, are they of value and are they being sued and all the things, right? So they have all this stuff going on. Plus they're trying to manage the operations. And I asked this one chief, I sat there, um, I was you know, consulting for analytical purposes, building their analytical capacity, using information to drive decision. And I said, I, felt, I had a feeling that something was off with this particular chief. And, and I said, hey, how are you? I'm getting a sense that you answer a lot of questions for a lot of people, you manage a lot of things, but how's chief doing, right? How's chief doing? And I thought he was just going to break down. I mean, he was pretty close. He's just like, people don't ask me that. People don't ask me how I'm doing. Um, And sometimes it takes that outside person to really say, you know, chief, what can we do to improve your wellness? And that's where our our wellness company comes in to really say, what can we do to really improve your your wellness? You already are achieving at these levels and you feel like you're sinking because that's what typically happens, right? (laughs) We have these high level achievers who are often just like, I can breathe a little bit today. And it takes somebody most often from the outside coming in and saying, chief or, you know, um, deputy chief or whatever it might be, what can we do to improve your wellness so that you can operate at a higher level and be your best self for your command, for your staff, for your, um, you know, for your team. And, uh, and that's really where I find a lot of joy because you know, I can show them some of the operational things that'll help their operations run better and some more smooth and, you know, um, team, team, team building rather in the public sector and how that all works. But creating wellness for, you know, especially for our executives, our supervisors and so forth, 
in a way that gets them to that longevity, in a way that gets them to find joy in their role again, in a way that gets them to really love the life that they're living and um, not not look in the mirror and say, what did I do? <laughs> I want to go back to patrol or you know something like that. That to me brings me personally a lot of joy to work with folks like that and see them go from totally stressed out, totally overwhelmed, totally high achiever, who's crumbling physically, nutrition-wise, health-wise inside, um, emotionally inside, and get the, get to see them go from zero to 100, but the healthy side of 100 is mm. absolutely a joy in my life. So mm. if, you know, if there are folks who are listening to this who know someone in, in high-performance policing, public safety, fire, EMS, you know, those folks who are really service-based providers who don't have a lot of people to, to talk to about their wellness, then perhaps we can help them. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, discuss the, the ways how you how people can reach out to you, your Facebook group that brings so much value. I'm a part of it and so many other ways that you show up for your people. But I want to tap into one of the things as well in the past yes. or the transition, I think, um, between the past on and what we have created since then. You said that you were digging and digging and digging after that question of your friend. So how did that digging look like in practice? Yeah. And also what kind of what pop up in your way because or, or, or in your mind on the way, because I feel like a lot of people, when they get this question or similar questions, they feel like, yeah, but I don't have time to for my hobbies. I don't have time to ha- yeah. like in, invest in my in my joy. So how was your process on that matter? So it, reluctant. My process was reluctant at first <laughs> because I really felt like strong people don't need help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there was this, this mind shift that needed to happen for me. And so the, one of the first things I did is I was kind of observing this woman, a friend of mine who you know ran a business and believed in health and wellness and was really into different ways, uh, meditation and oils and chemical-free living, toxin-free living. And I was like, look, I, I don't have time to do all the research. Can I just take what you know <laughs> and mm-hmm. apply it to my life and work with you so you can help me apply it to my life. And I felt, you know, I, I didn't feel like that, that I didn't feel like that was um, a strategy the way that I feel now. Now I never live wet life without a coach. Right. But before mm-hmm. I felt it like, uh, whatever. All right, let's just, let's just do some, one thing. Right. And I kind of took it with a grain of salt, but then I started showing up to some of the events that she was throwing and she was hosting and they were about mindfulness. They were about community. They were about um, earth. They were about, you know, getting connected. And so I kind of dabbled in it a little bit. And then I became more and more interested. And it was like, like this branch, like these, tr- like roots that just start. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And I remember feeling reluctant to try some things. I was like, oh, that's kind of fruity. Cause in law enforcement, like anything that's not black and white is, is fruity. Right. And so but then I started getting interested in doing research. My mind is a research mind, right? And I needed the scientific backing for what they were talking about. And so I started reading and I started reading a lot. Um, I started digesting and devouring um, different ways of thinking. I started getting really attracted to different authors, um, like Lisa Nichols, uh, like Tony Robbins, like Napoleon Hill, um, like Think and Grow Rich, like 
Bob Proctor, just ways of thinking differently. I started, um, you know, just reading everything that I could get my hands on. And I started to just trust this one person and attend different events. So I was still doing my research, right? And I was attending these different events. And then I started teaching about the things that I had learned to friends, to family members, and people were interested. They had, they really trusted the research I had done. So they started saying, can you just give me what you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I began to really dive into body optimization, right? Looking at how we can optimize the mind and the body in developing our high performance. Like how can we feel our physical best self and how can that relate to high performance? And so I just simply started um, listening in professional development and personal development became something I did every single day, whether it was a podcast on leadership like yours, right? Uh, whether it was um, reading a book on medicinal mushrooms, whether it is um, you know thinking about these other scientific um, platforms that that talk about what what was what's the real science behind meditation? What's the real science behind mindfulness? What's the real science behind productivity? And so I devoured and I taught. I devoured and I taught. I devoured and I taught and. You know, that really was my pathway to continuing to learn because the more I taught, the more I found roots to go learn some more. And so it became this learning tool and um and fueling tool for me to just take this one person, trust this one person, and then research and learn on my own and continue that cycle. So the more I mm-hmm. teach, the more I learn, the more I learn, the more I teach, and that cycle just continues. So let's dive into how the cycle looks right now, because now, as you said, you are helping a lot of people who are in those front lines and and helping us in such important roles in the society. And they are quite often under high pressure, uh, lots of stress uh, and not always appreciated as they deserve by the society especially if we talk about the law enforcement. So that's why I called our conversation firefighters and burnouts, right? Because yeah. I talk about talk, taking leaders out from the firefighter mode mm-hmm. and you literally work with firefighters. So yes. what, what are you doing with your clients, with your audience, broader audience? What yeah. have your learnings been from that loop of devouring and teaching in the last decade? Share that with us. So fire literal firefighters, law enforcement, EMS, it's a different, it's, it's a different field, right? So mm-hmm. in corporate, you know, it's, it's the lessons of removing yourself and, and um, taking a step back are, are true, right? But for firefighters, for police, for the law enforcement analysts who are called into the real-time event centers at two o'clock in the morning because there's a murder, for the dispatchers who are on the phone listening, we tell them to go into the fire right? Mm-hmm. So we tell them, it is your duty. It is your job to go into the fire, to listen, to hear, to help, right? So we come from the service, nurses, doctors, right? Instead of, you know, especially during COVID, everyone's running from the, 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 the virus, right? And doctors and nurses are going into it to help, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you have that kind of mentality, when you have that kind of heart, that kind of service, having a conversation with them has to be different. It cannot be, you know, okay, chief, don't answer your phone at 2 a.m. When the chief has to, right? The chief has to, if there's um, a robbery or uh, a shooting or a school lockdown or something like that. So 
how do we create an environment for these very beautiful people who are working in the prisons, who are, you know, um, working in policy to, to make these, these laws and, and different things be true? How do we tell them, go in the fire, but relax and take care of yourself? <laughs> <laughs> And so it's a have a barbecue, right? (laughs) (laughs) Have a barbecue. And so, you know, it is important to recognize that it is a different culture. It is a culture of, you know, honor. It is a culture of going in to the fire. It is a culture of being desensitized to some degree, like I was, Mm -hmm. right? And so, but the line really has to be built around how do we create boundaries? How do we create health and wellness in terms of sustainability with, within that, that realm of going into the fire of that culture? Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there's some key things that happen, you know, for what, what happened to me, I was at home and, and just going back to, to the situation that I was sharing with you, I was at home 11 years ago in a situation of, of a certain degree of, of domestic violence. Right. And so I was at work, you know, looking at these murders, rapes, robberies, assaults. And I would look at my home life and say, "Mm, it's not that bad. I should just plow Mm -hmm. through. Right. And that's where the mask came in. Right. And, and the, in the lack of communicating with others about my little issues, because they weren't the stabbings, they weren't the heroin overdoses. They weren't all these things that I had seen and was seeing and exposed to. And that's where we fall. That is where we fall because we are desensitized, because we are told to go into the fire, because we have, you know, this approach, this culture of like, be strong, be the strong ones. We fall, we fail to recognize the key things in our own life, in our own lives that really need to lead us into success. And that, that really is creating healthy, sustainable living that brings us joy so that we're not headed to crisis. You know, we have a lot of supports for our officers and for our um, staff who are ready to commit suicide, right? And those services are needed. That's not what we do. We help really create, before it gets to that point, the sustainable living that addresses going into the fire in combination with an amazing, well, you. So for Mm -hmm. me, if if I was to work with someone like me 11 years ago, we would we would really focus on, okay, great. Let's get you excellent in your work environment and get you understanding how to support in domestic violence of you know murders, rapes, robberies, all that fun stuff, right? But now let's take a look at you. What kind of life do you want to live, right? How can we create the most joy in your life? And how can we recognize the sustainable life that you're choosing or not choosing? And how can we grow that for you? And so that's really... That, that's really, the, I think, the, the founding difference, right, is that we recognize the culture that exists for our people. And we also recognize, you know, how we can really be desensitized to a life of junk food, a life of no sleep, a life of poor relationships, and how that life doesn't have to be that way. It just doesn't. And we can help provide solutions. Hey, Genius Leader, I'm chiming in here quickly to ask you to do one thing for me. If you're enjoying this episode, share it with one person who you think would find it valuable as well. Let's spread the goodness together so that more people can play within their zone of genius. I want to pause here, Dawn, because you're talking about an extremely important concept here. This 
devaluing your negative experiences just yeah. because someone in the world has it worse than you. Yes, I've had those conversations several times just in the last three weeks, I think, when we we unwrap something in my client's background. And they're like, but this is so silly, you know, when we dig in back into the childhood where where that one thing has changed a lot of ways of them showing up for themselves and really the way how they grow grew up. And they're like, but this is so silly. I grew up in a good family. I was not beaten up, beaten up. I had food on my table and so on and so forth. I went to school and I'm like, stop. I really have to stop my clients there and say, mm-hmm. just because someone has been starving or is starving right now in the world as a child, does it mean that your experience and your trauma is irrelevant mm-hmm. and stupid? Mm-hmm. And this is something that I see a lot of leaders and, and high performers yeah. do. That That's the blessing and the curse of nowadays being connected so much and knowing mm-hmm. about everything everywhere in the world. There is a lot of beauty to that, but it also creates these wrong perspectives that we feel like, okay, I shouldn't feel bad right now. I shouldn't okay. complain or I shouldn't, I, I should just be bouncing joyfully around because I'm quite well off, but mm-hmm. hey, you're not well off. Mm-hmm. And that is the important part to recognize, to mm-hmm. give yourself grace with, and then just lovingly start fixing those things. Because just mm-hmm. because you feel ashamed that someone else has it better than you and you still have dark moments you're just aiming to dehumanize yourself if that's your goal. Yes. And the question is, do you want to dehumanize yourself for real or not? So thank you so much for sharing that, Dawn, because I think that's really the key point of here. And and this is something that, as as we discussed, you you were operating in a very different environment, right? The Mm -hmm. environment of law enforcement and reinforcement. Reinforcement <laughs> <laughs> and the business that where I hang out mostly, they are quite different in many ways. But those symptoms they show up in both worlds, and yeah. it's so important for us to learn that way. That's why I'm inviting people like you who come from a completely different environment and uh, experience that we can cross pollinate the learnings, the ideas with each other because there is always something to learn there. So. If you, dear genius leaders, take one thing from this conversation, I would actually like you to do that. Whenever you feel like you're you're criticizing your state of mind, your mood, your Mm -hmm. thoughts right now and here because you compare yourself to someone who has it worse than you, stop. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that was a bit of a uh, yeah. my five cents in there, but I just see it as a common thread in the business world. And that's why I, I yeah. think it's so important to emphasize that. So Dawn, how do you help your firefighters yes. find that balance between well, them, and going into yeah. the fires? Well, let's let's back up for one second. The work that you do with that, that corporate world, the high achiever, you know, I, I personally have experienced some of it. You came over to our group and, and it's just remarkable. And so I love how you slow folks down, even in this conversation, mm-hmm. to really identify the key things, the key takeaways. And so I appreciate you for that. And, and folks who work with you are certainly lucky to have that. So thank you. Thank you. So one way that we help, um, we help, we have we have a couple of different programs, um, but essentially we help with coaching, coaching. We help with coaching. (laughs) (laughs) Let's keep it simple. (laughs) We help with coaching. And so we help with private sessions, which are different than therapy. So some people will say, what's the difference between the therapy and coaching? And so 
coaching is really intended to help create goals, right? Therapy will get deep into your seated background and, you know, and really uh, help unveil some stuff. And that's wonderful. And I applaud people who are going to therapy and therapists. They're wonderful people, right? We don't do therapy. We do coaching, uh, which means that we come to the table, we do a full assessment of, you know, what someone's life looks like, their personal life, their physical life. Are they, are they designing their lives by design or is life designing them by design? (laughs) (laughs) Are they designing their life or is their life designing them? Exactly. Exactly. Are they, are they thrilled to live the one life that they have, right? Are they showing up as their best selves in multiple facets, in their financial world, in their career, in their um, physical world, in their spiritual world, in their philanthropic world? Are they coming up? Are they showing up as their best selves? And so, you know, part of what that, what coaching does is really looks at the holistic self and says, who do you want to be? Who do you Hmm. really want to be? What kind of life do you want to live? And what we do is we create goals for these folks around those, around those achieving, right? Around achieving those specific things that they look to achieve. And we give them a different perspective with a different set of binoculars, um, folks who have been there, done that, and help them really accelerate their progress because they're working with a coach. And I will say, I've had multiple coaches in my life. I don't think I'll ever be in life without a coach. For me, I think about optimization on a regular basis. How do I optimize my body? How do I optimize my mind, my career? How do I optimize? And the number one thing that I always do is I find a coach who has been there, done that, (laughs) and who, uh, you know, we click and who can really help me progress. When I wanted to, you know, bring um, a different kind of cooking into my life, I was really looking into nutrition in a whole new way. I hired a nutritionist, right? When a nutritional chef, right? So who, who focused on some of the key things that I, I wanted to incorporate into my life. And I was like, all right, you're with me for six weeks. Let's rock and roll. Let's make this happen faster than I would do it on my own, reading the bazillion books that I always read, right? When I needed a mindset shift, I, I wanted to leave um, one big chunk of my life into another big chunk of my life. I hired a mindset coach and I said, okay, you think on this level, get me there, get me there fast. Cause I want to think like this and, and make choices in my life that are based on higher level thinking. And there's only so much we can do ourselves. Right. And so one of the things I do being, um, I'm graduating from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition in December. So it's a year long program and it certifies me as a wellness coach, even though I've been a wellness coach for years now. Right. But officially I'll, I'll be certified. So for me, one of the one of the things that we really do is focus a lot on that body mind optimization. When you have a good handle on who you are, your, what life you want to live, when you've made the decision of what life you want to live, not knowing how you're going to get there, when you've made the decision on what life you want to live, we work to get you there. We work to create the how, right? And a lot of it has to do with the physical body optimization, the mental optimization, which leads into that career optimization as well. So things that are particularly, um, people will come to me um, about would be stress, right? Like they're so Mm. high stress, their stomachs are always hurting. They are always getting headaches. They are pushing the envelope um, on both ends. And so we'll do a full assessment. We'll look at, okay, what, what are the operations? What are the systems at work that you have going on and how can we optimize those? And then how can we optimize your body? 
what is going to make you operate at the highest level physically? Are you suffering from illness? Are you suffering from disease? Are you suffering from, you know, different ailments that really we can kick out of your life so that you can feel and operate at your best capacity? And so those are some of the things that we do focus on in it's so amazing that you are having this holistic picture that's not only like, okay, if I'm coming to you with my complaints about my work stress, uh, you don't buy into that. <laughs> You're like, okay, let's look at you from all the perspectives and, and see whether the work-related stress is just a symptom uh, or it's one of the contributors, um, but maybe that's just uh, the escape goat in a, go in a way that uh, you just... Uh, Easier, it's easier to blame on that uh, because there you have your employer and your work culture, whatever uh, that is not optimal. Rather than we're looking at your relationship or yep. your relationship with yourself on a yes. health level, physical level, or mental, spiritual, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and then that you just bring to the workplace and that affects your yeah. stress there. So it's good that you're really kind of keeping people in that discomfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for some time to make a real discovery, to explore for real and in depth and then act upon that depth and not yeah. just superficial stuff. Exactly. We remove victimization. Like mm. you are only a victim if you say so. You are only successful if you say so. <laughs> and so we work a lot with the mindset when some folks will start, they'll say, oh, um, I can't do this because so-and-so, or I can't do that because so-and-so. And I call the bluff, you know, and I say to them, that's only because you say so, right? So mm-hmm. if you say that you can't because you had a stinky childhood or you can't because you don't have enough money in your police agency, or you can't because the wrong people are on the bus, or you can't, like, those are all excuses. So we re- remove the victim. You're no longer the victim, mm-hmm. right? You take your experiences, you take who you are, we define that very, very well. You take your skills, your talents, and all that you give, and you maximize. And we show folks exactly how to maximize, removing the victimology. And it all starts, all of it starts with being your best self, leadership Mm -hmm. of self, showing up as your best self. And we help define what that means. If it's physical, if it's mental, if it's operational, you know, how can I show up as my best self every single day, you know, enjoying providing excellence and, you know, and, and taking control of the life that I choose to live. I mean, Anna, I'll, I'll tell you, I remember a day years and years ago, I had a, t- a tough separation, right? And I went to court and I lost, <laughs> Mm-hmm. I lost um, in court and I was like, oh my God, I was devastated. You know, that um, there were, to me, it was very unfair, right? I was like, oh, it's unfair that I lost in court and that I have to pay the majority of uh, ch- child support's very limited and, and I'm responsible financially for all these things. It's unfair. And when I had that mentality of how unfair life was, right, nothing was achieved. But when I turned it around and I said, whoa, what can I do? How can I be my best self? How can I bring my best self to the table so that regardless of these outside factors, I'm still optimized. My life is still optimized and I'm still you know, the best I can be. Then I started getting creative and I was like, okay, so how, what can I do? If, if the judge says that your um, time with your daughter is during the weekday and if you choose to work 
then that's your choice. But his time is on the weekends, right? And in my mind, I was devastated because I had this typical government mindset of you work seven to three, nine to five or whatever it is, right? You know, 11 to seven. And I was like, but that's not fair. What am I going to do? That shift from that's not fair. What do I do to how can I optimize? How can I think differently? How can I put my best foot forward? Led me into building my business and led me into creating my own work hours and led me into creating my best self so that I could show up as my best self for my daughters, right? And so it could have easily been the end, right? I see so many people saying, oh, you know, our court, I'm losing, I'm losing, I'm losing, and it's not fair. Well, that's fine. You can continue to think that way and be a victim because you are. Like I I was, you know, I felt like I really, it really was unfair and it was, right? You can stay there in that mindset, or you can shift to how can I optimize? And the moment you shift is the moment that you start creating solutions that lead you to your best life, regardless of whatever life presents to you. It's that equanimity, right? Mm. Regardless of whatever life brings to you, you get to choose how you respond to it. And that's what we focus on, that leadership of self, that mindset in um, you know, owning your life and leading it the way that you want. Yeah, I, I'm so grateful that you actually gave your own ex- example, Don, because without it, I would imagine that a lot of people would be like, yeah, sure, talk about it. You know, like, you know, a successful woman who might have had some struggles, but whatever, you know, like, yeah. what do you know about being a victim or being in unfair situations? I could imagine that what, there could be a lot of, irritation or annoyance when we talk about those things but then you giving your example like shows on practical level that it's and it's not about buying into the unfairness and it's not about saying or closing your eyes to that Uh, it's still being outspoken about it and fighting it in the way that you can but at the same time again talk taking care and taking responsibility of yourself first that is this leadership of self self. Mm-hmm. And without doing that, you will never be able to fight the system. You'll never be able to overcome those un- that unfairness and fix it for yourself or yeah. uh, people around you or the, the system in, or the structured society in general. So it's really going back to that, the core, you need yeah. to do your homework first and foremost yep. to be able to show up as the yeah. best version of yourself. Yeah. And, and, you know, it is important to recognize that there's defeat, right? And it mm-hmm. is important to recognize that you can fight. And, um, and, and there are moments when you should. I mean, I fought to the level of Supreme Court. We, I actually mm-hmm. physically took my case, the unfairness of it, to Supreme Court, and I lost there too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so to me, it, but I won on so many levels. I mean, get this. You have a woman who's been mistreated for many years, who's high level, high performance, who um, is clear on the books, like everything's up and up. And then you have a gentleman who's just not, right? Everything's underground and everything. So the court really didn't see the reality of the situation or the law maybe bound them in a certain degree. And so I fought that in Supreme Court. I brought it up to the Supreme Court level and lost the actual case, but won my dignity, won my strength, lost every penny I had, (laughs) emptied my retirement account and doing all of it. But it didn't matter because I stood up for myself. And that leadership of self 
will stay with me for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's good for people to know that you're going to lose sometimes and that's okay. That's okay. Don't stop the fight. Don't stop the, the, the path, the persistence of leadership of self. So although I lost in court and although, although I lost in Supreme Court, I won because I got the message out there to so many women in policing that and men that you must unmask yourself. You must mm. stand up for yourself. Even if it doesn't fully work out, the message is out there. And quite honestly, I will never be that person again. I have found my value without outside resources telling me that I'm of value, right? Mm. And so that is something that you can, that can, can cost you all the money in the world and it's always going to mm. be worth it. So mm. for folks who are saying, I don't want to just not fight, you know, like there's, there's a certain level of push that needs to happen in order for you to gain that self-respect, but it must come with the thought of respect for you and respect for your family and not punishment or anger or retribution or anything like that. And when it comes from that space of, am I leading my life with integrity? Am I leading my life with respect? Am I leading my life in the way that I want to um, lead uh, myself? Am I bringing my best self to the table? That's where the choices should come from. That's where the decisions and the push should come from. Because whatever the result, right? Once you're detached, whatever the result, it doesn't matter. The fact is you, you grew yourself in a whole different way. And that stays with me and the many, many men and women in policing who are, who sit back and say, I can relate. I can relate and I'm not going to wear this mask anymore. And I might fail and fall on my face just like you did, Don. <laughs> and then I, I'm going to come out like this lotus, like this blossom, like this, this incredible, powerful human being who lives life with this leadership of self as priority, no matter what. Yeah, it's such an important message, Dawn, and thank you so much for sharing it with your audience and, and here on the show today, because just as you said, there will always be someone who can relate and for whom you normalize the situation in some way and you give permission. Yes. A lot of my work is about that as well. Normalizing things, the struggles that people go through. That's why this podcast is called JD's Leadership Overcoming Everything and giving permission to ourselves to be a human and go mm-hmm. through those human experiences of ups and downs and turnarounds yes. is the yes. path forward, is yes. the way to not get stuck. And as you're talking about, to not be the victim. What I love so too, Anna, is that you and I actually have the same title in our businesses, right? So our program is called Rising Genius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have your genius um, you know, uh, kind of component, which there's this great book called The Big Leap. Uh, by mm-hmm. Gay Hendricks. And he talks about being in your zone of genius. And that just ignited, like, I can do that. I can be that. So I love that you also bring in this concept of genius or excellence um, into, into the work that you do with the folks that you, uh, who you work with, which is quite remarkable. I think that's one of the reasons why we're connected because we, we talk about the similar concepts and we believe in them. And even though we work on different continents yes. and uh, we're different uh, population, but uh, the foundations are still the same. Yes. So Dawn, you have did something very exciting uh, this autumn, did. which was launching Bigger Than Data. Tell us a bit yes. more about that. Yes. yes, this Bigger Than Data 
It's a law enforcement analyst roadmap to marketability, professional development, fulfillment, and joy. And it really, it walks through, it mirrors our seven module system for law enforcement analysts specifically. So we deal with all, we work with all law enforcement, but this particular book is focused on the analysts and people looking to build analytical capacity. And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, the book really talks about finding clarity around what you really want in life, um, assessing the contributions that you bring to that career, building relationships, how to do that, how to build relationships, how to build a leadership way of thinking um, mm-hmm. at the basic level for these analysts. And so I'm so excited about this book because what probably the thing I love most about it is throughout the book and at the very end, we've included stories, stories of people going through what other people might be going through right now and overcoming mm-hmm. it. And I love. I love the clients we work with. They are motivating, they're inspiring, they're evolving, they're transformational. And we get to collect those stories, put them in a book and show others that there's truly a better way. And here are some examples. And so my my hope behind this, really my intention behind this is that people can recognize that they're not alone, that there are other people just like them. And that this is a tool, a step-by-step tool to get them to the next level through inspiring stories, as well as action steps, um, success steps, we call them, uh, to get them to the next level. And then, of course, it mirrors our program so they can come to our program should they want some you know, additional supports. That's so exciting. What, what was the most surprising part from the book for yourself, whether from the process of creating it mm-hmm. or from the response you got after you launched it? I would say you know, it was probably more on a personal level I was kind of writing a little bit for years, like writing. And then I put it in this little notebook (laughs) and I would just write these little stories and I would write these little thoughts that would come to my mind as I was reading different books and I would reflect on them and kind of just be jotting all these things down for years. And then, you know, one of the surprising things for me is I I just, I didn't believe I was like, ah, I don't write books. Like I just kind of am writing thoughts, right? Like who, who, who am I to write a book like that? fear, right? Mm. And I had this very special human in my life come to me. Um, and within a couple of weeks of knowing me, he said, you know, where's your book? And I was like, what? And he says, a woman like you, a woman with stories, with ideas, he's like, right, has, has books. Where's your book? And I thought to myself, like, I didn't even tell him that I had this collection of stories that I was writing. And he was just like, you have so much to say and so many people to inspire, where's your book? And I never really put it together that I could write a book because like, I didn't know anyone who wrote a book. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I think the, the, the revelation for me was how there are people and systems out there to make this happen. I didn't, I definitely didn't do this on my own. I mean, I had a team of people who helped me understand the concepts and the, the publishing and the, SEOs and all the things that I had no idea about. So I'm thankful for all of them. And, and you know, but the, the surprise for me in all of this was that it actually happened in 12 weeks. <laughs> what? Yes. Yes. And so it, 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 I had all this stuff and all this, all this stuff everywhere and all these ideas and all this. And I worked with a great publishing group who narrowed everything down. I mean, I had like hundreds and hundreds of pages and videos and all this stuff. And they just kind of said, here's what people need to know. And that, that process for me of, huh, I can actually do this. And 
I can have help doing this and it can get done was unbelievable. It truly was unbelievable. And I'm in my mind now, I'm already like, okay, so second book number two and book number three, here's what they're going to be on <laughs> because now I believe it's, it's a possibility. You got the taste of it, right? I got a taste of it. And I love it. I love, I love that, you know, I had a chief reach out and said, I want to buy 20 of them because I want to give them to all of my analysts. And I have supervisors buying bulks of them and giving them to their, their people. And to me, the great pleasure in all of this is that it professionalizes the field, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It makes it so that people are turning and saying, who are analysts? What do analysts do? I mean, 90% of the people I talk to have no idea that there's people behind the scenes who are Intel analysts, who are forensic analysts who are crime analysts who are studying patterns of offending and doing predictions on where and when people are going to hit again. And so there's this hidden group of people that, that nobody knew about. And they're kind of like, oh, we'll have a secretary analyze. And they're real love to my secretaries, right? But they're realizing that analytics is its own professional field. And this book to me is, um, is an industry push is telling our chiefs, is telling our mayors, is telling our executives, is telling our federal funders that this is a real field. This is a professionalized field. And, um, you know, and, and these folks should be treated and funded and, and um, escalated as such. There should be a progression plan. Um, you know, when you become an analyst, often it's like, that's it, right? And so we are professionalizing the the career field and saying, no, you need analyst one, two, senior. Um, this is a real field of professionals who are trained, who are of value and who must be considered as such. And, um, and so that to me is also a gift in writing this book to hear some of the language around um, even, the, even the supervisor saying, I want my analysts to know that I care about them too as a human and not just as a product, right? Like giving me product. And so they're saying, we care about your health and wellness too. And and they're giving them these books. And and I I couldn't be more thrilled that that's happening. What a beautiful learning. And and they mentioned with it, it's not only for the analysts, it's also for the broader community to discover the world of analytics and uh, the value of them. So Thank you so much for the work you're doing with that, Dawn. And 12 weeks. Well, that's that's <laughs> impressive. Now, now I understand what well, why we had to wait had to wait for November yes. <laughs> with the book. <laughs> yes, ma'am. yes, yes. I remember. Uh, I was like, I'm a little caught up. I'm kind of a little busy, <laughs> but it's good busy. It's productive. It's it's um, enjoyable, and um, you know, and and it it started with a thought. It wasn't my thought, and mm-hmm. I want. I want to pause here for a minute and just share that that wasn't my thought. Like my thought in my head was, I, I don't write books. Who am I? It came from the outside, but I, I devoured that. That other mm-hmm. thought of, of that one conversation with that one person saying, where's your book? Where's mm-hmm. your book? And so I, I encourage anyone who's listening to this right now, where's your legacy? Mm-hmm. What are you building? What are you growing? What is it that you can do today that's going to help spread the beautiful word that you have to share? Because what you have to share is of incredible value. And I see the pattern here, Dawn. That conversation with your friend 11 years ago or so, mm-hmm. saying, what does Dawn like? The courage of both sides to be in that conversation, the courage of a friend to ask, 
and the challenge to stay and ask again and again until Dawn actually answers that question and not some different question. And the courage of Dawn to answer that question and go away with the reflection and actually start taking action. And here it was the same pattern with this new friend of yours who observed you and your excellence and and all the ideas and the potential you have and the value that you can give to your community. Having the courage of actually insisting on you having a book Mm -hmm. and then your courage of actually taking that and leaning onto the belief of the other person into you until you get to Mm -hmm. build that self-trust and have some internal picture of being an author. This is something that I really want to emphasize from this conversation, uh, dear genius leaders. It's very important to be courageous for for these kind of conversations, be be you on the receiving or on the giving side of it, and really taking actions from there. And just as you said, Dawn, you you found help both in that situation 11 years ago with a friend, then you just uh, asked a friend of yours who was in the holistic lifestyle and so on. Uh, You wanted her brain and her knowledge and you wanted it fast. (laughs) I did. You know, you wanted to to cut some corners there in a good way. And the same here, you hired a team, you, you doubled out your efforts onto this thing while still serving your clients and your community. But that's the thing, you never got through it alone. And that's the beauty of it. That's what makes it possible to go to the next level and bring more value to our society. Beautiful, beautiful story. Dawn, I want to wrap up with three questions. Sure. One of them is three pieces of advice. And those can be the summary of what we have discussed or something that we haven't covered and you think we should mention today. Yeah. Number one, decide. Decide what you want your life to look like. Decide. It's that simple. Decide. Mm-hmm. Number two, leadership of self. You are your own priority. Start with you. Mm-hmm. Start with looking in the mirror. Start with what you can do. And number three, get a coach. Talk to Anna. Talk to me. You know, talk to someone who you trust. Get a coach because truly, you know, coaches just accelerate your success. And I, I would be nowhere if I didn't have multiple coaches, multiple coaches in my life. And I still have a coach today. And so depending on where you are in your, in your journey, you know, it might be scary to hire a coach. It might be, you know, you might feel that, um, that, you, you know, maybe like you should be good enough. Why do you need a coach? Ignore all of that. That's nonsense. Those are fears. Hire a coach. They get mm-hmm. you there faster. Anna will get you there faster. I will get you there faster because these are the things that we focus on, that we are trained in, that we have experience in, and that we find joy in doing. So decide leadership of self first and get a coach. Yeah, I love it. How you summarized even them three in the the end. Uh, So Dawn, last one would be, or second last question, but last kind of content question would be one practical piece of advice or actionable step a success step in your language that Jesus leaders can do or take today after listening to us? Well, um, you know, one action step you could do if you want, um, we have a free download called Life by Design. So Mm -hmm. if you're not sure, you know, what you want your life to look like, you can go to our website and and, um, we'll have all the, the notes in there for you in the chat, but you can go to our website and then you can download life by design for free. And it is a short little video along with a tool that will help you just start thinking 
to start to think about what do you want your life to look like? And this process can take quite some time, but you got to start. So uh, that's a great action step to just to just get started. Let's put it in the show notes and the comment on the live uh, uh, stream on LinkedIn and really get you going with that review, uh, reevaluation, reflection, dear genius leaders, because it's really worth the effort and the time that you put into that. Lastly, Dawn, yes, if people want to get more of you and your excellence, uh, we mentioned shortly the book with the Facebook group. Uh, tell us more how to find you, where to find you, what are the ways to go? Yep. Um, you can go to excellenceinanalytics.com. You can find all of our programming and all of our resources. We have a bunch of free resources there as well. Uh, we have our book in a fun book video that we had a, a wonderful client or um, not even a client, just a wonderful human who put it together on his own and sent it to us. And so we're so thankful for him. So you can go to excellenceinanalytics.com. You can go to um, there really to find everything. You can follow us on YouTube. We are revamping our YouTube. So you can go ahead and follow us there. And, um, you know, you can message me on LinkedIn or you can send me an email at dawn at excellenceinanalytics.com and, uh, you know, and really have some discussions. So there's lots of ways that you can follow. The Facebook group is called Tribe of Excellence. So you can mm -hmm. find us in Facebook as well and join our Tribe of Excellence Facebook community where we go live every single week on leadership and wellness topics. Uh, and so, you know, there's lots of opportunity for you to go ahead and find us. Um, we, we speak all over the, all over the globe, really, but all over the country this past year. And so you can come join us at one of our speaking engagements. And those are generally listed in our, in our communities as well. I love it. I highly recommend you to join uh, Dawn's community. It's really high energy. They're very loving and supporting uh, both from members and Dawn and her team. They're doing an amazing job of bringing a lot of value there. So highly recommend that and uh, see if any of the offerings in the programs of Dawn and her team are, are a fit for you because really you will get so much value and Dawn will get you faster, just as she said, uh, with your goals of really creating the life by design, the life that you desire and you deserve. So Go and, and follow the journey, join the community, and uh, let's just keep in touch both with Dawn and with me. As always, I'm very thankful for you, Genius Leaders, for tuning in. And Dawn, I'm very, very thankful uh, for you, you, for meeting you, and also for every time of your showing up fully mm -hmm. as the, the fantastic you as you are. So thank you for that. I appreciate you. Likewise, likewise. You're amazing, Anna. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Genius Leadership. If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button to not miss an episode. And to help more people become even better leaders, rate and review our podcast and share it with your communities. For more conversations about living and leading from your zone of genius, connect with me on LinkedIn. Genius Leadership is an honest conversation about leading yourself and others. And it's my honor to be your guide in overcoming everything 